0: The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. If you've been uh, with us or with without us for the last number of weeks, uh, you you may know, you may not know. We're moving through a series on conflict, as I mentioned earlier, but we're we're moving through the practical implications of how we live uh, in the midst of conflict. How do we engage it well as Christians? What are some of the cues that we can we can take from scripture as to how do we do this well? So one of the things we started with was that, uh, as a Christian, we go towards conflict with generosity rather than running away from conflict, right? We, we go towards conflict because that's how God treats us. He goes towards us in our conflict, right? Uh, we go towards... Conflict. We also go uh, get curious about the positions of other people. We 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 want to learn. We want to listen. We want to we seek to understand really what's going on um, below the surface. And and another way that we we do this is uh, also uh, by uh, going deeper. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Is is how do we go deeper? Understanding our fears and our loves. So um, in conflict, one of the things we've been saying a lot is, is that we are called to love one another as Christ has loved us. But how does that actually work? I'll make a bold statement off the top, okay? Not just in conflict, but in everything in your life, you are always being motivated by what you love. You are always acting out of love. Now, some of you may say, Hayden, I'm not a romantic. Don't tell me that I act out of love all the time. Let me use a sports image for all you who are questioning that thesis, okay? So um, why do you defend Masai Ujiri to your Detroit Piston uh, fan friends? Well, it's because you love the Raptors and you want to protect their reputation in the NBA world, and so you defend them at all costs. I'll flip that around, and at the same time, why do you complain about Messiah Jury to your Raptors friends? Well, because you want to see the Raptors succeed, and sometimes it feels like Messiah is getting in the way of that. See, we're motivated by love. I'll keep Move, moving through some different illustrations, if that one didn't really speak to you. Why do you do the craziest things for your kids? You, you know, as a young parent, you get up in the middle of the night for them so many times. And then when they're teenagers, you drive them all the way to Timbuktu and back. To it, You're always sacrificing for your friends or for your kids because you love them. You love them. Why do you sit outside in the freezing cold during a COVID lockdown to have a glass of wine with a friend? You love the friendship, and you want to protect it, and you want to nurture it. You want to see it grow and develop. Love is wrapped up into absolutely everything that we do in our lives. And love, it, it points deeper to what we want. A love is acting out a desire within us. But here's the tension in our lives. This is where it really starts to get hard. is because the way that we go about protecting what we love is not always healthy. When an older sibling protects a younger sibling at school from a bully, one of the ways to solve the problem is to just punch out the bully. That's a way of protecting that love. Is that a healthy way all the time? Absolutely not. In the same way, um, you know, um, when when you want your kids to be obedient and to be to be, um, you know, uh, to listen and to obey and to and to do what is right, one of the ways you can get your point across is to yell at them. Is that a good way of protecting their flourishing? No, it's not. We we struggle because the ways that we live out and seek to protect what we love is not always done in a in a healthy ways. How many of us have have done something in this area that we've regret this week, even? Um, Whether it's with a friend or a spouse or or a a child. We have a serious struggle with this. We feel deeply convicted to protect the things that we love, but we struggle to do this in relationship with each other. Do you know what I'm talking about here? This is really hard. Now, John, in this passage, says that, yes, it's hard— and that's, we, should, we should expect that because we're human, but at the same time, we can all relearn how to do this well from Jesus. That's what this, this whole passage, John is essentially saying, if you want to love things well, you have to relearn love from love itself, from Jesus. And so this is especially true and helpful for us who are going through conflict or who who are experiencing things that are are challenging in this way. Conflict demands healthy love. And and the gospel gives us the resources to do this. So to move through conflict well means that simultaneously we have to be getting our resources from the gospel. And so three things in this passage that help us to dig deeper— and to, uh, to, to really live out of love in a healthy way. Three things. We have to first refocus our love. We have to reveal our loves. And then we have to receive his love. We have to refocus our love, reveal our love, and receive his love. So in verses 7 to 12, John is essentially teaching us that without God, what we love and how we show that love will always be misdirected and out of focus. How many people here uh, have dived into the photography rabbit hole? Some of us, maybe others, you may know of something called focus. Focus is really important in photography. And and so when you're taking a a picture, there's, uh, you know, sometimes you want it to be focused on the subject and the background to be blurry. Other times you want to flip it around. You want the background to be in focus and the the foreground to be out of focus. Focus is really important in photography. John is saying here that when when we love apart from God— Our love is out of focus. And what he means in verse 7, he says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And so what John is saying here is that we don't get the capacity to love in a right focus from anywhere except from learning love from God. It comes from him. This points us back uh, to the first few chapters of the Bible where we see this really come into play. In Genesis, uh, in, in, in the beginning of Genesis, when God creates the world, we're told that God creates it not because he needs our love, but because of an overflow of his love. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, how important that is. God creates the world out of an overflow of of love, including us. He made us, and he fashioned us, and he designed us to to be in a trust relationship with him, a love relationship with him, but that love is not dependent on us. He creates us out of an overflow of love. It's a selfless love. But things become blurry when sin enters the picture. Sin was when Adam and Eve turned inward on themselves, and they flipped it, right? Just as the photographer, right? How there's the the in-focus background and the blurry foreground, Adam and Eve flipped it, and they brought the the subject into focus and blurred the background. They turned their love inward and directed it at themselves. C.S. Lewis calls this type of love need love. We love in order to get something out of it. As long as my needs are being met, I'll stay in the relationship. As long as my thing is happening in this place, I'll stay committed. But as soon as my needs are not met, then I'm out. Then I disconnect. As long as what I want is being satisfied, I'm good. This is a flip-flop of how love was originally made to work. God is love, and love is a self-giving overflow thing. The way that God created the world. Need love, is, is a problem? Maybe. Why is it a problem? Why is need love such a problem? As long as we're not hurting anybody with it, why is it a problem that we you know seek to have our desires fulfilled? What hap- what happens though? When what you love, what is the object of your love, is taken away from you. Okay? Think about this. The Lord of the Rings character, Gollum, shows us what happens when, the, when what we love, what we need, our need-based love, is taken away from us. He famously says, when the ring was taken out of his possession, I want it. I need it. I have to have the precious. Gollum's life falls apart when he loses the object of his love. Our lives fall apart too. When our love is not directed completely at God, as the most important thing in our life. Whatever takes his place, when we lose it, our life falls apart. Think about your job. If we put our our meaning, our source of security, our love in our job, and that gets taken away from us, it's devastating. If our love is not completely refocused away from the things that we so often replace God with, we don't refocus it completely on God. We are going to rely on whatever takes his place. This is why John says that we need to relearn how to love from God himself. From a selfless love. See, God's love is not need-based. It's free love. It doesn't have strings attached to it. And that doesn't mean it's not costly, which I'll get to in a little bit. But it's free, meaning it's not... God's love for you is not dependent on anything that you do. Nothing. You cannot make God love you any more or any less by anything that you can do, that begins to flip things around for us. When we realize that we are loved, not because of anything lovable in us, but simply out of an overflow of God's love. That's a different kind of love altogether. This is the gospel. This is the the love that we need to refocus ourselves on. We are loved by a selfless love. And so we don't have to worry about losing it. We don't have to worry about protecting it. And so in in freedom, we can begin to reveal, like what I said about our call to confession and our prayer of confession, right? We, We are so safe and secure in God's love that we can start to dig down deeper into ourselves and mine out the need-based love that we rely on. Okay, so this is what Paul or John is talking about in verse 18, where we're called to reveal our loves. All conflict, all conflict is an opportunity for us to refocus our love on God. This is what John's talking about in verse 18 when he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So when you blow up at a friend, or your child, or a coworker, and you look back and you think to yourself, What was that? all about? That was weird. Why did I respond that way? And it takes a little bit of time before you realize that they, they actually just pricked something deeper inside of you than they really meant to. They just, they just, there was a soft spot and they, they touched it and you exploded at them. This, this is an opportunity for us to hit the pause button, and to begin digging down deeper to ask ourselves, what's really going on that caused me to respond with that anger, or that frustration, or that resentment? And this happens all the time in conflict, because conflict is essentially people challenging something that you think or believe. And so it is right with opportunities for us to pause and dig deeper. And so how we actually do this? How do we actually begin to dig down deeper and reveal our love that's below the surface? Well, there's a slide. Dan, I'll have you pull up the, the slide now. So how do we reveal what we're trying to protect, what we're trying to—what we love? First, we have to break ground. Okay, so this is that—can um, you all read that? Good. When, when we have an emotional response— of anger, or frustration, or resentment at somebody else. We have to ask ourselves, what happened to spark that response? What other words can you describe that response with? We, we, think about it. Frustration, annoyance, resentfulness. What happened? Name the experience. Next, we have to dig a little bit deeper and ask ourselves, what was behind your strong feelings? What were you concerned might go wrong or get damaged? What might you lose? What other words describe your concern here? Such as fear or sadness or worry or anxiety? Keep the slide up for now, Dan, okay? And, and so what, what's going on here is we're we're starting to dig a little bit down and say, okay, what's what's going on below the surface of this response, this emotional response? What, what am I trying to protect? What am I afraid of? What, what what's going to be taken away from me if this if this um, this thing wins or 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 um, if I lose this or or what's being challenged? Now a lot of the time, we stop here. This is how deep we dig. With our oldest, we actually have to do this, this a lot, this digging, when we break up fights with him and his sister, even though they're only three and three and a half and, and one and a half. Um, but we have to hit the pause button when these sorts of blow-ups happen and ask, you know, what happened? What did you feel? Name the emotion. What, what did you feel like you would lose, and we obviously age appropriate language, but what would you lose from your, that your sister was trying to take away from you? Was it a toy? Was it happiness? Was it being, you know, in your own world, playing with something? What was going on? I was listening to a podcast this week, and the speaker said, when we stop here, he was talking about something else, but it applies directly to this. And he's, he was essentially saying when we stop here, when we dig deep enough to uncover our fear and then try to respond in, the, in, in our actions from this place, the place of, uh, of fear or sadness or worry or anxiety, it's, it's using dirty energy. Okay, so it's the, the fossil fuels of conflict restoration. It is... You can do a lot to convince people based out of fear. You can evoke a lot of camaraderie with people who agree with you when you appeal to anxiety or sadness. These emotions are powerful. But they don't often lead to, if at all, lead to the flourishing of everyone involved. And John tells us this, In verse 18, when he says that perfect love drives out fear. What we're trying to do is to keep digging deeper, to to get beyond the fear, to drive it out. To be motivated by something deeper. Or, as John says, if we want to reveal our loves, we, we we have to keep digging. And so there's one level deeper that we have to go here. And that is to find treasure, and ask ourselves the vulnerable question, what did you love that was under threat? What was your fear or your worry protecting? How does your anger, right, the surface level, the external response to the conflict, how does your anger connect with the love? going back to our oldest and the, and the fights that we break up, who, who, he often, oftentimes when a toy is taken away, it has to do with happiness. That's, what's, that's the love that, that Austin's trying to protect. He was so happy playing with that toy and he lost it. Only when we understand this, only when we get to that deep level of love, can we really begin to treat the conflict properly in a way that actually transforms everyone involved? This is the level that our need-based love is replaced with a selfless love. And so to recap where we've come from is, is essentially this, is that we need to realize that we all have to refocus our love. In a broken world, we we are living out need-based love relationships. That's our default. To begin to realize how this works itself out in our lives, we have to dig deep enough to be able to reveal these need-based loves by getting past our fear, anxiety, worry, and sadness then we can begin to infuse our lives with God's love. And that's the third point, and that's receiving His love. When we get down to this bottom layer, we can begin to understand what God's love is all about and how it changes our lives. In verse 19, John tells us that we love because He first loved us. is where we see that all of our bad responses to conflict all of our self selfish love comes because we don't really believe that we are loved by god jesus tells us a story in luke 18 of the prodigal son the parable of the prodigal son and oftentimes we think of The younger brother who demands his share of the inheritance from his father goes away and squanders it all on things that, you know, he thought would fulfill his desires end up leaving him feeling empty. He finally comes to his senses and he comes back to his father and he thinks to himself, if I can only be Treated as one of my father's servants, then everything will be okay. And we're told that he, he's met not with that sort of, yeah, okay, you can come back. But his father runs towards him, embraces him, puts a ring on his finger, kills the fattened calf for him, invites his friends has a party because the son that was lost has now been found and commentators of the bible they often say that that this younger brother received the deep deep love of god that we don't feel like we're worthy of when we when we forget about god when we do things our own way when we ignore god's law and try to live our lives on our own and we come back to him we we're received with love he is more loved than he could ever imagine but jesus doesn't stop there the younger brother is not the only one who receives god's love the older brother hears about the, the he hears the music right and the dancing and he's like what's going on and and he finds out that his brother has returned and then his father is throwing a party for him. And the father actually comes out to him and says to him, Come on, join us. Your brother has come home. And he says to the father, How can you do this to him? After all that he's done for you, after all of the money that he's squandered, how can you love him in this way? And the, the father says to the older brother, My son, my son, all that I have is yours. In other words, you've been trying to earn my love your whole life, and you haven't realized that I loved you not because of what you do, but just because of who you are. Come on in and join the party. Both of his sons, the one who turns away from him, the one who is staunchly religious and obeys everything that he says, both of them miss the point, which is that God's love for us is not remotely tied to anything that we can say or do. It's given to us. We receive his love because he gives it. How can this be? How can God give us such a love that it is so free that people who rebel against God can receive it? How can, how can God forgive sin and deal with justice, the injustice of the world? It's because of Christ. He lived the life you should have. He obeyed Everything that we were created to. And yet he died guilty and nailed to the cross. God's love and justice are completely satisfied in Jesus. And this is the ultimate example of selfless love and the ultimate. The way that we're convinced that we can be loved. Because we, in Jesus, because he went to the cross, because he died for us, we are more secure in the love of God than anything else in the world. He shows us that he's so committed to our happiness, our well-being, our flourishing, that he walked through death for us. It kills our fear. Christ holds all things together. What, What can we possibly be afraid of? We will never be cut off. Older brother, younger brother. Going deeper in the midst of conflict is the way that we purge ourselves of the need based loves that the older brother and the younger brother attach themselves to and are left with Jesus. Dallas Willard tells us that this is not an easy thing. This is the work of a lifetime to live as if we are loved. as we walk through the conflicts in our lives, this is the process by which we come together and collaborate. We get down to the lowest level we can. We understand each other and how we're all trying to protect what we love. And we learn together all of us, being loved by God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your generosity in our lives, your patience with us, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, that you you stay with us and you love us just because you love us. As we uh, live in relationship with each other, and how hard that can be. Give us the grace that we need to do the same. To treat each other as you treat us. To love one another as you love us. To rid us of need-based love and replace it with selfless love. That we would, we would find ourselves in safe enough places that we can dig deeper and ask ourselves these, these questions, these searching questions that help us to dig down into our own hearts. God, would we uh, be so changed and transformed by your selfless love that it would, that would impact everything about us. And God, we know that this is a long and hard process and we need your Holy Spirit to, to help us. And so we pray that you give, give your Holy Spirit to us in abundance and that you would lead us and guide us as we, as we um, live in relationship with one another as the body of Christ. Uh, Father, we pray this. All in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.